I, I, listen, I'm not, I would never call myself a hip hop head because, you know, I have a giant tattoo of Johnny, um, Johnny Cash on my arm and, and that stuff. But, um, I, listen, I grew up with hip hop. Um, so yeah, but I like all, all, all music. I hate to be, uh, I hate to be, uh, categorized as anything. Okay. Just so, a fan. So I just want to be categorized as a fan. Okay. A fan, not a hip hop. I know, I know what you're talking about as far as hip hop head too. I'm just a fan of music. I'm a fan of artists. Okay. I celebrate it all. Yes. So you're you're uh, you're you're doing it for for everyone and making sure that uh, that no one pigeonholes you. I love it. I yeah, love yeah. It. I hate that. Vegetarian people like to do that too. You know. <laughs> oh, what are your rules? It's like you know, people ask you questions. What are your rules to eating and stuff? You know, and that it's cool if they're making me dinner. Like, what are your rules? But you know, when when they're not making me dinner and they're concerned with what I put in my mouth, I find that a little like this is a weird conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> like like oh you eat sushi yeah so you're a pescatarian well i mean that's just another label like why, why do we need these labels you know and why do i need a label for what i put in my mouth that doesn't make sense i think you're absolutely right man all right let me hit, uh let me hit the uh the intro one and then we'll just go sound good let's do it Kel. all right perfect hold on for a second it's a 15 seconds so you'll be able to hear it and then we'll roll from there sound good here we go Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything, the 98.2. Today, we have Mr. Corey Gray. He let me know that he doesn't want to be categorized by anything, but this is one of the number one podcasters <laughs> in the hair industry. He has the Hair Industry uh, pod, or the uh, Your Day Off podcast, and uh, you can reach him on Instagram at Hair Industry, at Facebook at Hair Industry. I'm sure you could find him on TikTok too. Um, his kids probably think he's crazy if he's on TikTok, but welcome to the show, my man. Kelly, man, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I have to give a shout out to my boy Tony too, because, you know, I'm a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a solo podcast here. You know, my homie uh, uh, Tony uh, is usually sitting beside me. And you know, the fact that he's not sitting beside me today is always a little uncomfortable, but, you know, I get to sit beside you. <laughs> well, the, one of the big reasons why I wanted to be able to interview you is because um, you and you and Tony have been friends for like 30 years. And, you know, yeah, no you, you very, very seldom find these things to be true. And I, say, I think it says a lot about a character. Right. And so tell us a little bit about you and Tony's relationship. You guys growing up. I mean, 30 years. What were you? Were you five when uh, I'm just joking with you? I know you, gradu <laughs> you graduated 87, right? 80, class 87. Yep. Uh, let's yep, see. Good call. Yeah. At Seneca Valley high school, screaming Eagles. Am I correct? That's it, man. Yes, sir. Big You've ups. Been doing your homework. Big sir. ups, big <laughs> ups, baby. But I know you're big from, ups. I know you're from Maryland. So I like you. I, I know you like that game of the Tennessee Titans smashing those Baltimore Ravens though. Oh, you suck. You suck, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Titans fans. Where did you guys even come from? Houston you know? Oilers, baby. Hey, you know, you know, interesting, interesting side note though about uh, Seneca Valley. Like, yeah, Tony and I went to Seneca Valley, but you know, um, the uh, the great Los Angeles uh, hairdresser Philip Wolf also graduated from from Seneca Valley. I mean, he was certainly a few years after us, but yeah, he grew up right here as well. Really, Isn't that I didn't crazy? Know that. I didn't know that, man. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, uh, so he went to Seneca as well. So, um, dude, so yeah, I mean, Tony and I, we met in high school. It was, uh, it was like, yeah, I don't know, like September of 85. He had just transferred into our area. Um, 
you know, Tony has a whole story that I'm sure if you ever get him on the podcast, he'll, he'll, t- he'll tell you about. But, um, you know, when he moved up to, uh, to Seneca, Seneca was definitely a on the borderline of suburban country, you know, and, and he grew up, he absolutely grew up in the inner city. So um, when we when we first met, he was like, you know, he was he was fresh out of the city, so to speak. You know, they, they, they came up to uh, to the country to uh, just have a little bit uh, more of a, a chill life because uh, once again. If you get Tony on, you have to listen to that because the story's incredible about where he grew up in, in, in his life. Um, so, yeah, man, we just met in high school, and, and we worked next door to each other. And I used to, like, uh, he had a little, uh, he had an old Suburban, so I used to, uh, you know, just hitchhike rides to him to work since he worked right next door. And then, uh, dude, that was just it. We just we just became best buds. I mean, I guess I was looking for friends, and he didn't have any, so, you know, he just hung around. <laughs> Well, I, I think that it's amazing because I actually have my same boys that I hang out with since I was in fourth grade. My best friend is Will, right. who sometime you'll see on the show. This guy is tremendous. Um, him and I have been best friends, uh, you know, fourth grade. We were staying the night at each other's house. And now our kids are playing, uh, you know, hanging out with each other, which I think is really cool. But yeah. I think it says something about your character that you've been able to connect and stay in the pocket for that long. Because I think a lot of times people, you know, uh, there's very few people that keep, people around in their life or have the ability to because of their character. So what effects has it had, like having a, a relationship, having relationships like that for that long, what kind of effects has it had on you in your life? Well, I mean, I, I don't, listen, I, I can't compare it to somebody else's life because I don't have that, right? Like, like Tony's been my boy through and through, you know, since, since 85, you know, however many 30 years ago that was, um, you know, so I don't, I don't really have a comparison to where I can compare to that, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, dude, it's just like you ride and die. You know, it's, it's, I can trust him with everything. You know, it's like I can trust him, you know, almost like my spouse. Like I, I trust him to never, uh, never have any ulterior motives, which yeah, I don't necessarily know if you get, um, if, if you get in relationships that you haven't grown up with. Again, I don't know, but, but you know, I, I just trust him whole, wholeheartedly. Well, I think, I think it's huge, man, because where you're at in the industry, I mean, you're this guy, uh, you know, uh, for all of you listening, um, there's not a person in the industry that, that he hasn't been connected with and being able to share their story. Um, you've been sharing stories of uh, icons, you know, before, like nowadays people are getting really excited about podcasts. They think that, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a hot thing, but I mean, you've been in it. You guys have been going at it and it's just been incredible to be able to see that. The other thing that really stuck out to me, man, is... Um, Stephanie is your wife. Am I correct? Yep. So Stephanie, you guys have been married 23 years, right? <laughs> yeah, 23 years. We've been together 33 because we actually, um, we met in 87. We met in October, October 9th of 1987 is, was kind of like our first date. And then we got married, uh, June 28th. So what year was that? 1997. So, so yeah, we've been together for 23 years. That, I mean, you said 97 was your, uh, 97, you and your wife? Yeah, we've been married for 23 years, and we've been together for 33 years. Okay, so you met when you were a senior in high school. Well, yeah, I had just graduated. So we met in October of 87, and I graduated in June of 87. Wow. Yeah, no that, doubt. Okay, yeah. so tell that, we have, to, we have to stop there, man. What is the secret? You're married, you're together 33 years, you're married for 23. Most people are like, I made it for two years, I'm good, we can right. move on. Right. Especially in today's society. So what's the secret? Well, I mean, listen, there's, you know, marriage is marriage, right? I mean, there's the good, there's the bad, and there's the ugly, right? So, um, you know, what, what, I I can only talk about where we are now, but, you know, we, until 
until I was about 34, 35, my wife and I, we, you know, we fought like we were 17 or 18 because we never, you know, we only dated each other. So we only accepted what each other was going to, going to accept from each other. Right. So I never had like all these girlfriends that were like, Oh, you're not going to treat me that way. You're not going to talk to me that way. Right. Like, like I didn't, nobody had to slap me, um, slap me up and, 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 and mold me. Right. Um, but because we started dating at such a young age, that's exactly as far as like our communication, it, we, we communicated as we were teenagers until I was in about, so we were in our uh, mid thirties. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, and then what happened when I was in my mid thirties is I was like, you know what, we fight constantly and, 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 and I'm not happy with fighting constantly. And it wasn't like, I'm not, I'm leaving. I'm not happy. It was just like, something's got to give, like I can't live the rest of my life fighting. So, you know, um, but, and, and I'm going to give myself, you know, talk only from my perspective. I think it's fair, not hers. Um, but I was just like, you know, I'm done fighting. And, um, I, I started to like sit on that and, 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 um, it was no fun for her to fight with somebody that wouldn't fight back. Right. And it's not like I was a beaten, like I wasn't like a beaten dog or anything, but I just, I just was, I was, I was kind of done with that. And, you know, I did some soul searching and, and I, I was very, very reactive. You know, I, I, um, I was very reactive and I, and I didn't know how to, I, I realized that when you're being reactive, you're out of conversation. Right. So if, if, if you're being, if you're, if you're, if you're lashing out, that's because you're done. You either don't have the, the whatever to, to have regular conversation. So I asked myself one question. It was the question that changed my life. And hopefully if somebody else can, uh, can ask themselves this question, maybe can save their life or change their life, not save their life, but change their life. And that question is, has there ever been a time? And I'll ask you, Kelly, has there ever been a time where you've been reactive and gotten a positive result? And my answer is, has always been no. You know, when, when I've been reactive, I've never gotten a positive result. Now, I can get a result in the moment that feels good. But, you know, what's the long-term, what's the long-term result of that reaction? You know, if, if, if I scream at my wife and I call her a bad name, you know, that, that's going to affect me five years from now. Mm. You know, so, so what's the worth and where's the value in that? You know, and, and once I decided or once I asked myself that question, it came up with an, came up with an answer, you know. It just felt very much like a wasted emotion, right? Like, like being reactive is a wasted emotion. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that I fail sometimes, you know, but it's always in, but, but not being reactive is, is always in the front of my mind. And, and I think as you get older, um, I think thoughtful conversations are much more effective than reactive ones. Good Lord, man. Where were you when I first got married? <laughs> I mean, when, you, when you're looking at these things too, oh, I mean, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's been texting me for years. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she has, man. I mean, I tell you, it's, it's, it's incredible to be able to hear your, your thought process. Now, uh, now am I correct? You're a granddad too. Yeah. 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 So we have a, uh, we have a 20, I don't know, 20, 21 month, uh, a grandson. Okay, grandson. Who, who I was who I was learning this weekend that is uncontroversially cute, which means that he's cute to everybody, not just people's parents. But I don't know what that means. <laughs> so it's it, Deva is your daughter, am I correct? Yep. Okay. How did that change the perspective for you too? How old is Deva? Deva is twenty eight. So 28 years old. So this was five years into your marriage. So you guys are married for a little bit of time. The little one comes along. What changed? No, 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 no. no. No, 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 no. She was four when we got married. She was four. Okay. So into our relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, you're right. So uh, we were in our relationship about five years when she was born. And then um, 
it was another four or five years before we got married. Okay, cool. So when you, as far as with Deva, right? So what perspective changed? Because for me, I think one of the biggest things was I used to judge everybody in the grocery store. Like I'd roll up in the grocery store and a kid would be crying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I was a single person. I was a single person and I would see a, a parent in the store, right? And I'd roll up in, I would see him and the kid would be acting up and I'd be like, not my kid. My kid's going to be a soldier. (laughs) I would fly a lot. And when I was single, I would look at the kid crying on the airplane. I was like, you need to handle your kid or I'll handle it for you. And now that I have kids, I'm like, I understand. And I was so, you know, I had this preconceived notion that this is how I'm going to do it. And then I got into parenting and I'm like, I have so much love and so much forgiveness um, for people. Right. What changed for you when David came along? Well, I mean, yes, your per- perspective changes. And I was very, very young, you know, when she was born, I think I was 23 when she was born. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of life experience prior to that, but, but the experience that I did have was, um, I had a pretty rocky relationship with my dad growing up and, um, and that's being mild, you know, but, um, and I don't know if this is, it was just my reaction to it. You know, like, like, uh, uh sentences were ended with like, with like a hit in the head or, or, or something like that when I was growing up. And I made the decision and my wife kind of, you know, helped me make the decision that, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I never, I've never raised my voice to my daughter. Like I've never raised my voice to her. I've never hit her. I've never done anything like that. And, and what I found, what I found, you know, empowering about that is that, is that, to this day, I can I, I can sit down and have a, a, a stern conversation with her, and I have her ears, right? So so again, my philosophy is that that if you if you drown it with yelling, then yelling has a deaf ear. But it, but if you can kind of always like control the conversation, then when it's time to have a firm conversation, quote unquote, then you have their ears, and, and it's not it's not. They're not, they're not automatically turning you off because, because they've heard yelling their whole life. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. So when did you make the yeah. conscious decision? Because Corey, like a lot of times when, you know, uh, you know, when you have a upbringing and you said that a sentence ends with either a hit upside the head or, you know, it's a rocky relationship. A lot of times those, and I think this is huge in this, in our community right now and in our society right now, that we need more men being phenomenal husbands, being phenomenal uh, parents, and that's going to really change who we are as a community and as a culture. But most of the time, what I find is when you grow up with that kind of thing, a lot of times you repeat the cycle. What caused you to uh, say, uh, you know, I'm going to break this cycle? Well, I'm I'm listen, I'm a my entire life has been defined by I'm going to the buck stops with me, right? I'm going to own it all. You know, I'm going to own, I'm going to own the family stuff. I'm going to own just at all. And, and I'll tell you more about that in a sec. But I, I mean, honestly, Kelly was fear, you know, but like I, I like how I, the relationship that I had with my dad, I was fearful to have that. Right. I didn't want to be that guy. I mean, how many times, maybe luckily I was young. Remember I said I was 23, you know, I had had that conversation, you know, my entire, in the, all my teen years, man, when I'm a dad, I'm never going to do this to my kids. And, and because I was close enough to that, I mean, I, I think that it was just a very real emotion. In me. And, and I was fear. I, I was fearful. I was fearful that it, that if I ever started, I would never stop. Like I told my wife when we were young too, I said, dude, if I ever hit you, you've got to leave me. Because once, once I cross that barrier, I don't know that I can pull back. You know, my goal is to never, 
what you call like guardrails, right? Like, like my, my goal was to never cross the guardrail. You know what I mean? So I, I just like, I, I just, I didn't want to cross that guardrail. I knew that if I did, I, I would just, I, I would tumble from it. So, you know, I just, I never wanted to hit her and I never wanted to scream at her and, and yell at her for, for whatever. Cause I just, once again, I just didn't find, I just didn't find value in that. And, and now I didn't know that I could be impactful as a parent without doing that. But, but that was my first commitment. It, once again, it was, it's kind of like I was being selfish in a weird way. Right. I was being selfish in, in, in that I was so inner thought. I don't, that, that, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but you know, it was just kind of a selfish thing for me just to like, you know, I'm not going to do this. So at what age did you start to, cause I remember like, uh, you know, I watched my parents fighting, right. Growing up and mm-hmm. there was fighting and things like that. And then I was married before. And in my right. first marriage, I actually gravitated towards people who fought with me. So my whole, all my relationships up until Brooklyn, every yeah. one of them was fighting and then making up, fighting, making up. And then I remember calling my brother. This is my, my wife's going to be mad at me for even saying this, but I call my brother and I'm like, yo, we got, uh, I got a problem. And he's like, what's your problem? Cause my brother's my best friend. And he said, what's your problem? I said, well, uh, we don't fight. And he's like, who? And I said, Brooklyn and I, we don't fight. And he said, okay. And I, uh, he's like, so what's the problem? And I said, that's the problem. And he changed my life in this one conversation. I remember where I was. I was on the 215 in Las Vegas. And I was driving and I was right at Eastern. Those of you in Las Vegas, you know exactly where I'm talking about. And I was driving, uh, let's see, west. And my brother said, Kel, it's okay to be okay. Because we didn't grow up in a situation where it was okay to be okay. We thought that normal fighting was what you gravitated towards. So even when I would come home, I would have my dukes up ready to fight. And I would say something. And then she would be like, I never thought about it that way. And I would be like, why didn't you think about it that way? And then she would just be like, she would just stay calm. And she would never fight. She would never be drawn in. And she taught me a completely different side of love. Um, I wish, you know, obviously this, this was later on in my life. When did that start to click that that wasn't? Because a lot of times people go into their whole life thinking that that's love. When did you, as a kid, what age did you start to think like, this is not the way that it's supposed to be? I mean, listen, I think, I think we all do that. I mean, how many times have you heard the story? Like, I'm not going to raise my kids that way, you know? And like, I didn't know that it was being different. I just, I thought that I, I committed to not raising my kids that way. I committed to not raising my voice to not doing that. And, you know, my, my, my wife is my greatest ally, especially as a parent. I mean, I learned so much from her as a parent. Um, I mean, but I've also, I, I learned how to be a parent from Tony. I learned how to be a parent from, from my brother. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I can, I, I don't know if I can answer that question for as, as a parent, but, but, but if we kind of move it forward into my marriage, I mean, you know, when, when I was doing all that soul searching, when I chose not to fight anymore, you know, part of that conversation was, why are we fighting? And, and, and what I came up with is that, you know, 90% or 95% of our fights were, were just for powering, just the power on top position in the relationship. You know, once I gave up, like, like, I don't care about that. I don't care about being on top of the relationship. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Um, it, it just, it kind of changed everything. And then, because I didn't care to be on top, then there was nothing to fight for as far as being on top. I just, I wanted a lifetime relationship, not to be on top of the relationship in that moment until our next fight. And then our next fight's going to be, you know, her positioning to be on top of, of the relationship. But, 
once I kind of gave up that power, I was just once power, I said power, but you know, once I kind of gave up that care, then there was no more power on top. Now we're, now we're equals in the relationship. So wh- how did it affect your relationship with your daughter at that point? Did you see a, a change start to happen with her too? Yeah. Well, you know, she was, you know, she was, she was about 10 or so at the time. Um, I don't know. I mean, we became very close. I mean, you know, she became very much my focus, particularly in her, in her teenage years. You know, she played, she played athletics and stuff. And I, I was her, I was her favorite co- coach, but don't ask her that. Um, but you know, I just, I kind of, I coached her through, I, I just, I, I was there to, uh, to, it's how we bonded, right? It's how we bonded. We bonded on the field, you know? Um, and then I'll tell you another uh, great, great ally story is that, you know, when she was about 14 years old and, and, the sport was no longer her interest, you know, and I had, I had built my identity on being her, her dad coach. I didn't know when, when the store, when the, when the sport was no longer her priority because other things were taking over. Um, I was, I was fearful of who we are, who we are as a dad and as a kid. And, and, and again, I kind of responded that with, you know, not with like outward anger, but just like, come on, you, we got to give more effort. We got to do this. And her head was out of it. My wife sat me down and said, you know, you're a dad for life, not just for this year. And, and that changed my perspective. You know, those are simple words, you know, just like that's, that's, yes, I'm a dad for life, you know, and, and that's the relationship that I need to look at. And there was a big lesson in that too, is that, um, you know, I pride myself on keeping my eye on the big picture, you know, so if you keep your eye on the big picture, it makes, it makes uh, little disagreements and, and, and arguments. It kind of, it, it pulls the power out of those, right? What's the big picture here? You know, advice that I would give to uh, to any new parent is, hey, when your uh, when your kid's six years old, they're going to draw on a wall. Hey, when your kid is sixteen years old, they're going to wreck your car. You know, so if you know these things when they're born, then there's not much energy to put on into them when it happens, right? So that completely changes the conversation. Now the conversation is, hey, listen, it takes a lot of work to clean these walls. Not like, hey, you idiot. You just drew on my walls. Hey, you idiot, you wrecked my car. I got news for you. It's happening anyway. It's like predetermined. It's predetermined as you're, as you're, as you're raising kids, you know? So just, it just, those kind of things, you know, just help my perspective. And, and when they happened, they were already pre seen. Now, did you, uh, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a, I have a blood brother and a blood sister and I have three steps. So with the blood brother, blood sister, uh, raised in the same yep. home, what kind of perspective? Yep. Because even with my brother, um, my uh, you know, I have two brothers. I have one that's uh, six years older, one that's three years older. All our perspectives are completely different, even even down to music choices. My brother, uh, Rob, who's the lawyer, um, he is, uh, you know, he was all rock and roll. He was kind of like, you know, Van mm-hmm. Halen, Motley Crue, then went into like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, you know, all that stuff. I went more Michael Jackson, hip hop, stuff like that. My oldest brother was like Ozzy Osbourne tearing head off bats and, you know, things like this. Um, He became, the oldest one became the doctor, the middle one became the lawyer. And then uh, I just, I became a guy who's really, really excited about all the things I'm not that good at. Um, But so how was, how did the perspectives different or differ in the house? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if, if it's fair for me to say because I don't really know what their perspectives are. Okay. You know, I mean, they, uh, they, they think that they, they definitely think that, I, that I'm the best sibling. I know that. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you'd have to ask them that. Um, I don't, 
you know, I, my, my sister's older and, and, and my brother's a little younger. Um, I, mean, I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, my dad, you know, my dad wasn't there for me at all. And I think that that was a big part of it. I mean, I think that, that there was a part of it because, because I didn't have him as a, as, as, you know, the father figure when I was young. Um, and he kind of showed up late. He always lived with us and stuff like that, but he just had no care, you know, about me. Now, oh, granted, this is my perspective. And then, um, you know, then as my brother got older, then, you know, he was his coach all the time and they were together all the time. And I'm, I'm positive looking back that, that I was just very envious of their relationship. Like, you know, how does a 13, 14 year old boy react to that? They react to it by, you know, kind of being a jerk or, or, or being aggressive. And then, you know, for my dad, who's hot tempered anyways, that just kind of like led into, led into what he does best, you know? So, um, I don't know where, how we got there, but, but so, you know, I think that, that for years I, I was jealous of their relationship. Um, cause you know, I was always looking for that dad, you know, and then when he wanted to show up, I, I kind of like, I didn't want him there anymore cause I didn't know who he was. He was, he was just the guy that came home and did the discipline and then, you know, went out to the bar when I was a kid. And then as he got older, so he, uh, he came back. But I'll tell you this, that, um, that I've forgiven him, my dad, a lot uh, for, for a lot of that. And I've forgiven myself in the way that I've reacted. And, you know, what I realized that my dad just died last year um, of all time. Mm. And um, what I realized that, it, it, for, again, for those people that are, that are dealing with Alzheimer's, like, biggest biggest empathies towards you but um you know it's an eight-year disease so what i realized eight years ago was that i was still looking for validation from him which he just wasn't capable of capable of giving me but then once he got sick and he was no longer that dude then i I had eight years of like slow forgiveness because i was no longer i was no longer um looking for validation from because he just wasn't the same guy so then i could just look at this like being of a guy and i could be like you know what, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you did the best that you could. You, you did the best that you were capable of doing. And, and whether I agreed with it or whether I suffered from it, you know, you were doing the best that you knew how to do. Well, it's amazing, Corey, because you, I mean, you've made a profession with, uh, with uh, the, your day off podcast. You've made a profession out of promoting other people and amplifying other people. I got a chance to be on your podcast and it was so much fun. It was like all of us just hanging out like, you know, and you guys are constantly, you're constantly pumping everybody else up. What did that, what, if anything, did that forgiveness, like when you talked about the forgiveness, what did that do for you? Um, you know, and what do you think it can do for the listeners out there, um, that are maybe holding on to, you know, certain things? What do you think forgiveness can do in their life? Well, I think that forgiveness actually is a selfish act. Right, because I think what you're what you're really forgiving is you're you're forgiving yourself and how and how that made you feel, or you're you're forgiving yourself for um, how you reacted to, to whatever situation. Now, a lot of times that's a lifetime of situation, right? So, you know, I think that you forgive. It's selfish in the sense that, like, you know, let me forgive so I can move forward, right? I mean, that, at the end of the day, that that's what forgiveness ends up being. Um, but it, it's just enough. It's just enough not caring about the validation, or not 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 caring to keep going back to the same to the same well, you know. Um, and if you can walk past that well without 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 needing to use it, then then I think that that's one where forgiveness starts. Um, listen, I don't know I don't know if we started the podcast or what the forgiveness taught us for the podcast. I mean, I very much like you, like. I loved Michael and I loved Prince and I loved hip hop and I loved the Beastie Boys. And, you know, I loved all that stuff and I loved, you know, the, the celebrity of all that. And, and I just, because of, 
because of Instagram, you know, you were now seeing our hair people in these same kind of like celebrity. And I say that loosely um, in quotes, but you know, you just see like these, you know, you, hairdressers were becoming famous. And I really love that they were becoming famous. And I thought that if we could create an environment and where we celebrate it, um, and, and well, we celebrate these people, right? Like if we could celebrate them, that would be very, very cool. And I thought that it was a very cool thing um, for the industry. But, you know, again, I thought it was a very cool thing for me. Like I was like, you know what, I would love to be able to tell these stories or, or not even tell the story, but, but hear the story, you know, get to know them. Who are these people? And, and how did they get to uh, to where they are? And, and, you know, over time, we realized that, you know, nobody's successful without failure. So then, you know, we kind of switched up. We go, well, let's talk about their failures because their failures is truly what's helpful to other people, right? Like there's, no, there's no silver spoons in this industry. So what is, like, when you're, when you're talking about failure, what is your biggest, yep. like, snafu? Like, what is your biggest failure that, uh, you know, that, that a lot of people uh, don't get a chance to be able to hear about? Um, I mean, professionally, uh, as, as a hairstylist, I mean, I, I, my biggest failure as a hairstylist is that I just didn't take the time to learn more. You know, I came up in hairdressing, Tony, and I came up in the hairdressing in, in, in the early 90s, and it was very much the, um, you know, you either, uh, you either cut hair or you colored hair. I chose to color hair and, and turn my back on everything else. Now, you know, in hindsight, you know, it's limited me big time. You know, like, like I love extension work, but, well, guess what? I can't cut hair, so I can't do extension work. Or, you know, I love kind of shapes and stuff. Well, how do you create shapes if you're not cutting hair? You know, like, it just became, I, I found that my own arrogance um, when I was a young hairdresser and my ability or my refusal to learn more um, as I've gotten um, older in my, or got, you know, to the, to the back end of my, 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 my behind the chair um, that, you know, it's just helped me back a lot. And, and there's so much stuff that I'm fascinated with that, that I just, uh, I, I, I'm not able, not that I'm not able to do, but you know, with the podcast and stuff, I, I don't, I just don't have time to do. Of course. So what is the, what are the things that, that you like to be able to, I mean, kind of shut down and that you do just for you, Corey. So, um, I mentioned a little bit about football and it seemed to stick a little knife in you. Uh, cause you seem to be a Baltimore, <laughs> you seem to be a Baltimore Ravens fan. Am I correct? Uh, well, I'm a Maryland fan, bro. I actually grew up a Cowboys fan. What? Oh so, man, uh, you uh, should have told me that before this started, man. We would have we would have turned this thing off. There would have been no. Oh heck yeah, we would have turned this. There is there is two favorite teams that I have in the world. Number one is the Oilers, now the Titans, and uh, number two is who's ever uh-huh. playing the Cowboys. Um, so I get it, man. Uh, Jerry Jones is never going to be on this podcast, even if he asks. Uh, <laughs> liar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, liar. I guess maybe, maybe he would, maybe he would. <laughs> he, he liar. <laughs> I haven't, you know, I did have the uh, general manager from the Tennessee Titans though. Um, and that dude was amazing. It was a dream come true. So you started off a Dallas Cowboy fan and are you a Ravens yeah, fan yeah, now? Yeah. No, I mean, I, listen, God, this is going to get weird. So with the podcast, honestly, I don't have to do time to do anything, Kelly. As you know, it's just a huge time suck, you know? So I, I don't know if I've watched the game aside from the Super Bowl in a couple of years or a few years since we started the podcast. Just my okay. Sundays are like, just like, you know, dedicated to, to, to finishing up the work that I have do, during the week. Um, you know, I mean, and like I could bore you with like my philosophy on all this too. No, like, that's like not I boring. Hate, like, I love me some philosophy. Okay, okay so... So I find it odd 
it's like the it's like the NASCAR effect, right? I find it odd that that like if you drive a Chevrolet, you're less of a man, or if you drive a Ford, you're less of a man, or you know, like all this like all this like corporate um um this is gonna go weird, but all this like corporate competition I find odd, you know, and and I find it odd when like you know when Pete when when guys get together and they start talking about their sports teams and stuff, it's, and it's not in a judgment kind of way, but I'm just like. This is just kind of a weird conversation. Like, like we're, we're we're debating over something we have no control over, right? Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. we have no control over. We have no whatever. We have opinions about, but opinions don't mean much. You know, there's even like there's even like my favorite is the iPhone Android debate. You know, like oh, you suck because <laughs> you have an iPhone, and I, I just don't, I don't know. It just it just becomes very weird to me. So I don't like. Now I sound like I live the most boring life ever, but. You know, I just don't have energy for, for that kind of stuff. Do I like football? I absolutely like football. Do I want to sit in a room with a bunch of guys debating about it? No, I find that that's kind of pointless conversation. Um, and the same with cars and stuff, you know, like, oh, I drive a Subaru, you Mitsubishi guy or whatever. You know, it's just kind of, it's just kind of crazy to me. Um, and, and, and also, listen, what it comes down to, I think, is that I've got to control um, I've got to manage my life a little bit, you know, okay. and like, I know that I can go down these, uh, I know that I can go down these rabbit holes of negativeness and, and that's what I try to avoid the most. You know, I, I stopped, I stopped watching the news a few years ago just because I don't have the ability to recover, right? Like if I open up my Twitter first thing in the morning, I cannot recover. You know, I will like, I will sit on whatever negative news is there all day long and I'll stew about it. You know, and then I'll stew about you and I'll stew about Tony and I'll stew about my wife because I just can't escape that. So, you know, my best way, the best way that I can uh, deal with that kind of stuff is just to avoid it. And it's, it comes down to the same thing. Like if I take real interest in like, you know, who the Cowboys drafted or who they didn't draft or whatever, then then I can't let go of those emotions. So I just I just I just try to avoid it. I mean, avoidance is the best technique that that I've learned in that way. It's better for me and better for everybody in my life. That's amazing, man. So what is it? What's your guilty pleasure then? I mean, you said that uh, we're going to, I want to get that answer. And then I got another question for you too. But what is that guilty pleasure? What is that thing that, that, uh, you know, Corey likes to do that everyone's like, I mean, say for myself, uh, I love to bowl. And I, I seriously, I love bowling. It is like the last frontier. You don't have to dress well. The worse shape you're in, <laughs> the better you are at this. Um, right. It's nasty. It's dirty. I ain't trying to go to a new bowling alley. I'm trying to get sponsored by Surf Bowl in uh, Car in uh, Oceanside, <laughs> like down and dirty. Uh, Phil McCracken, you know, or Big Earn McCracken, and right. uh, uh, you know that's where I'm at. Um, Roy Munson, dirty, nasty. And that is my jam. What is your jam? What's your thing that you don't even care that other people want to go? You just love doing it. Well, I mean, honestly, you know, if, if we're talking about a uh, pure joy, then, you know, in the moments I get to spend with my grandson, you know, that's what I look forward to. What do I think about all day that, you know, what conversations do I have to avoid in the salon? Don't ask me about my grandson. Cause I might just leave your ass in the chair and go home. You know, that kind, <laughs> that kind of stuff. You know, because I just I like hanging out with him, and, and he's just like such a cool little dude, and and he makes every he, he makes everything valuable, right? Like yep. he brings complete value to my life. You know, um, as one of as one of my clients said, you know, uh, uh, grandchildren are like liquid joy; they just keep giving you joy, and, and that's it. I mean, not that it's not like dirty bowling or anything like that, but it's what brings me the most joy, and it's absolutely positively what I most look forward to during the day. 
I hope my wife and daughter don't hear this, but you know, they know. <laughs> hey, so what, like when you're talking about your, your business, you were saying about, you know, obviously yeah. time, I think probably, probably one of the first answers in this is going to be time. Uh, but you said, you know, you're, you're, you're doing that, you're doing the podcast, you're, you know, you're, you're a man of many different, uh, you know, facets. Give me the top three pain points in what it is that you're doing in your industry, whether it be, I mean, because you're, you've got them together. So you're doing hair, you're doing podcasting, yep. you're, you know, you're, you're doing things like this where you're inter- being interviewed all over the uh, industry, things like that. Give me the top three pain points. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely time. I mean, but, but, but at the same time, you know, we just came off of a lot of time, right? We all had nine weeks off. You, know, you so, had weeks off. So, you know, I didn't have weeks off, brother. I worked harder. <laughs> no, no, than, no, 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 no. I'm saying I worked harder in the no, coronavirus yeah. than I've ever worked in my entire life. I I got on the phone with uh, with all our crew, right. and the first time we did a video conference, we were like, "Hey, how's everyone doing?" They're like, "I'm getting in touch with nature. I'm taking walks. I've seen things I haven't seen." And I'm like, "Me and my wife were like, we ain't got no job. We we ain't got none to do, but we are working harder than ever than before." Um, so. You know, obviously, and I know you were too during this time. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting after it. So what do you think, like, uh, you know, when you're, what did you, what did you do during the the coronavirus too? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, here's a little known fact. We had a tornado touchdown on my house in February. So what did I do during, uh, what did we do during, and by the way, tornadoes don't happen in the great state of Maryland, you know? So it was like this crazy tornado that never, ever happens in our state, um, and, uh, and so what we did is we honestly, is I punched in like Fred Flintstone every morning and I went out and I worked on a, I worked on tree removal because we lost about 150 trees. So, you know, I've, I've, I have my own tree service now or something apparently. So, I mean, that's, that's literally what we did. It, 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 it saved us five or 10 years of work because, you know, I just punched my clock every morning and went to work. Um, you know, when we didn't have podcasts or other, you know, other stuff to do. Um, that's, that's what I did. And, but even if we had a podcast, you know, instead of punching in at 8am, I'd punch in at 1pm and and go out there and work for eight hours, eight or nine hours until, until the sun, sunlight wouldn't let me anymore. So you said the, the number one pain point is, is more time. Like if somebody, you know, if I had a magic wand, I could give you three wishes. Number one would be more time. What would be number two? What's the, what's the number two pain point? Um, number two, vision. You know, like, like, I, like, you know, we kind of know where we're going. I wish I had like a five-year vision of, of, of where we're going with the podcast and stuff. Now, you know, we're starting to kind of work on that. And we're starting to understand that a little bit more. But, um, but we're starting to understand it instead of like having real mega clarity about, you know, where, where we're going and how to get there. And, you know, at the end of the day, Tony and I are a bunch of 30-year-old hairdressers. We don't know how to navigate or we're learning how to navigate the business world on this side. We're learning how to navigate the hairdressing world we're, we're learning how to navigate navigate all of that and to be a part of this world but um you know i i wish we just had real mega clarity about here's how we're going to do it here's how we're going to make money here's who we can ask for money here's how to have a conversation here's how to put a deck together here's how, you know all that stuff that we're learning i wish i wish we had a little i had a little bit more of vision and clarity of how that, that that's all done i mean yeah. that's probably actually number one because there's time you can't get but 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 that vision kind of stuff, you know, I, I wish we, I wish we had more, I we just had a better understanding of that. So what would be number two then? So we threw time out. We go into vision first. We went to vision clarity. No, 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 I think, I mean, time, time is part of it. Right. But I just think vision would be number one. I, okay. like, like 
biggest sticking point to, to, to our growth right now is just understanding what that vision is and, and how to use it. Okay. So or how to manipulate it or how to whatever. So let's go to number two. What, what do you got as number two? Yeah. Um, I mean, it would probably be time, right? Like I wish we had, I wish we had a little bit more time in, in the day and, and, and more and more and just to just managing the time. Like I know, I don't know how you do your podcast, but you know, we book people, um, either on Mondays or Tuesdays, almost every week, you know, and that's how we keep our content um, um, ahead of schedule. But, you know, then like somebody like, uh, we just did a podcast with Britt Siva, and what Britt does is she does like, uh, she does like two days of podcasts every three or four months. She just puts them all in like two days. Um, uh, I also know that Elizabeth Fay does that. Elizabeth, she does a bunch of content ahead of time, uh-huh. and then she releases it. So, you know, I wish, I, just better time management stuff, but um, you know, we also love the hair shows and stuff too, so... Uh, you know, we, we like to go there and talk to everybody. It just creates a different energy um, in the conversation. But, you know, I, I, time management would probably, would probably for me, you know, would, would probably be one, just, you know, what to do with the time. And when. What about number three? Um, on that same note, I would guess uh, living our brand, right? Like we're starting to understand what our brand is. Um, I but then how to do the PR around what our brand is. You know, again, it's just something that we're kind of learning along the way. Uh-huh. Um, who we are and what we stand for. I'm very, very confident in what that is, what that looks like. But as far as like having a brand perspective of that and like, you know, be, being purposeful to that brand with everything, every kind of, all the content that we release. Um, I, I kind of, I wish I had a, honestly, I wish I could give that to somebody else because it's, it's, I'm such an emotional guy. Like if you talk to Tony or if you ever talk to Katie, who's the, who's the real brains behind our operation. Um, you know, she, they'll all tell you that, that I'm an idea guy, you know, I'm not an execution dude, you know, like I've, I've got ideas like a boom, let's do this. And then, you know, to work with me is tough. I'm sure at times because, you know, I go with ideas and we go, okay, I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. Let's go execute it. But I'm not an executor. So when it comes to brand, sometimes, sometimes I have uh, ideas ahead of execution. And how does that execution work in the bigger picture? So what brands do you see out there, whether it be in the industry or outside the industry, what do you see, um, you know, when you look at, you know, brands that you admire or that you, you know, kind of gravitate towards, what components that they do they have and what have you seen and what has inspired you? Well, I mean, I, I can't talk about anybody else, but I can tell you where we're going and, and, and what we see. I mean, we very, very much in a real way love this industry, you know, and, 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 you know, one of the things that, one of the things that I'm off put by, and, and I don't want to double down on that. I'm just for the lack of better words, is like, I love that Instagram was this incredible environment and in where we could celebrate our industry. We could celebrate other, like that to me was the power of Instagram. And the reason people left Facebook is because it got, too daggone political. And then in order to celebrate anybody, you had to weed through a lot of stuff. And since the beginning of COVID, we're guilty of this, but since the beginning of COVID and now with BLM and stuff, um, it's become like this, uh, this place of opinions. And, 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 and I think we're kind of losing, um, we're losing that we're losing that, that we can celebrate each other, you know, and that's a little disconcerting to me. Um, I wish that we could go back to just celebrating each other because there's very, very few times and very, very few places in this world where we can celebrate other people. And I kind of wish we could get back to that. 
Um, I know that TikTok has a little bit of that. You know, TikTok they're they're celebrating um, they're celebrating very very talented people. You know, and, and talented for whatever or however long it takes to put together a video. And that's a place to celebrate. But but I kind of you know like 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 you know Instagram was our holy grail. It was our holy city. You know, as as an industry because it was there to celebrate people. And and I hope and pray that one day that we can kind of get back to that to loving the industry, you know, um, and celebrating each other. What do you think the great things were uh, that came out of COVID? Like I was just talking with someone the other day and I, I mean, people will get mad at me on these things, um, but it's okay. Uh, if they try and, you know, uh, if they get mad at me and they want to fire me, I, I, I've created my job anyway. So uh, it all works out, <laughs> but they, they, they always ask me, they're like, Oh man, you know, how was COVID or whatever it is. And I'm like, I, now I'm doing a disclaimer on this, which I generally don't do. Uh, if you were affected by uh, COVID in a negative way, meaning that your family got sick, anything like that, I'm not making light of it at all. I absolutely love you, empathize sure. with you. What I'm saying is I love me some coronavirus. The reason why is because there is less lines at the airport when I go that I don't have to wait in line <laughs> as long. I get my whole row on my own. Um, and I tell you, selfish. for me, selfish. it is, it, it's a hundred percent selfish. And for me, the drink that I have loved for my whole entire life is, is lemonade and lemonade is made up predominantly of lemons. One of the sourest fruits in the world. And all you need is a little bit of water, a little bit of sugar. And everybody most of the time throws out the sour fruit because they don't know how to add the, the water and the, the sugar. So for me, I've got, I mean, I tell you, it's probably been one of the best times in my, in my entire life, um, you know, during these times. I, I, we, we did this in the salon with our business. Get this, Corey, like nuts, right? Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I'm so restricted. My, my wife said this and she's a genius. She said that the birthplace of all creativity is restriction. That's Brooklyn Cardenas. And what we did is we put a plan in place and this is crazy, right, Corey? And I've talked to industry leaders about this and they, they don't listen because what they want to know, what they want to say is that it doesn't work. It won't work. It's not sustainable. It is. And it's been sustainable since we opened. Get this. We dropped work hours by 30%. 30%. We took hairdressers from a 10-hour day down to a six-hour day. We took uh-huh. away 50% of the physical work. 50%. And. How'd you do that? And we increased income by 20 to 70%. Now, if I sat down with you as an employee and I say, Corey, I got to talk to you. Now, say I was your boss. I'm not your boss, but imagine if I was your boss and I came in and I said, Corey, I got a challenge here. Oh, Here's the challenge. You're doing this work. I got to cut your hours by 30%. So I'm going to drop you down to six hours. It's going to be mandatory that you can only work six hours a day. I'm going to take away the most laborious thing that you do, and I'm going to take away 50% of your physical work. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, well, I'm losing my job. And then I say, and we're going to increase your pay 20 to 70%. What is your answer to me? You're crazy. And I could, and Brooklyn's crazy too. Okay. And I could tell you this. That's exactly what industry leaders are telling me. That's what they're telling me. But I'm doing it in every single city that we have a presence. Every single city. And they're telling me, no, it won't work in a big salon. I've got a salon that's running crazy volume that's doing over a million a year. I've got one that's doing 875. I've got one that's doing in the fours and they're all in different communities and it's working. But what's so funny is people have the tendency to just have a a viewpoint that is their perspective, which I respect, 
but they're saying that it won't sure. work. And so they're so focused on that part of it. What have you seen as the gaping holes in opportunity during this time? Ooh, that's a big one. Um, opportunities as an independent hairdresser and what we, what, what my family and what we've addressed is to run like a cleaner business, right? Like, like, yeah, we're independent. Um, but you know, our accounting wasn't a hundred percent on, on, on T and, um, you know, when you go to, when you, when you go to, uh, get some, uh, get some loans and some government stuff, your accounting better be on T and it better be on T moving forward. So, what we've changed is that we hired a great new accountant who um, who's actually in Utah and she's a, she specializes in our industry and she specializes with independence. Her name is Michelle Cook. Big shout out to Michelle Cook. Um, look her up. I think her Instagram is small business CPA, but definitely give her a look up. But what she's done is she's cleaned up my books. So now we look like a fortune 500 company and moving forward when the government comes knocking on her door saying, Hey bro, I just spend that PPP or, Hey bro, I just spend that grant or that SBA loan. Um, you know, we've got it. We've now got our ducks in a row to where we're not going to have to be concerned about that. So as far as like the, the, the biggest hole, and I can only speak for us, that was our biggest hole there. And, and any independent or any salon that doesn't have that stuff, um, in a row, this is your opportunity to, to uh, to get, to clean up your books there and, and to, and to look, like your, you know, your million dollar salon to look like um, the salons out there, like they've got their stuff together because it's one thing to have a business. It's, it's another thing to be a business. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it's not, it's nuts, man. My, uh, I'm shouting out to my crew in Chicago. Uh, we're these, these kids. And when I say we, I ain't doing it. These kids are doing it. Shout out to big Bobby Bosch. If you want to know about how to be able to run a business, the most efficient in the, in the industry, you need to get a hold of Bobby Bosch. He's the director of our salon in, uh, in Chicago. This guy is absolutely on fire. Um, so when you're thinking about like for you, what do you, uh, you know, what do you see, um, you know, moving forward? You were saying that, you know, sometimes you, you were, uh, you know, one of the pain points was being able to see it clear, see it vision. Do you mind if I give you a little prophetic stuff today? No, go ahead. Man. Okay. So, I'm all ears, uh, well, mind frame Monday, I, I did the first prophetic, uh, uh, you know, hit this morning on my Instagram and I'm going to start to do this and, but I'm only going to do it obviously when God gives me a, a prophecy you know, or gives me a word, but the word that he wants you to know today, Corey, is all the things you can write it down, all the things that you desire. He authored those desires and he's going to finish them. So you don't have to work hard. You don't have to worry about your marketing. You don't have to worry about uh, your publicity. You don't have to worry about your PR because you know what God did every single time. You know what Jesus did every single time when he went into a place and healed somebody? He told everyone not to say anything and he left before he got, became popular because he knew he didn't need to go the regular route. With the hair industry, you don't need to go the regular route. It's already done. It's already going to happen. All the things that you need are already in line. You're doing the right things. You have the right heart. And it is going to blow beyond, beyond what you could ever imagine. He's going to bless you exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever imagine. You and Tony, your relationship is just going to continue to grow. He's going to bless your family. He's not only going to bless your family in the, the, the hair industry with the people, with the people wanting to be on the show. You're not going to have to in the, in the coming years, Corey. You're not even going to have to ask anyone to be on your day off. 
they're going to be beating down the door asking. It's going to be a, 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 a value to them at such a high rate, even more than it is right now. But you don't have to get prepared. You're already prepared. And he's going to do all the things. And then when he does all the things, he's going to get the glory anyway. So what I want to give you right now is the thing that he wants. Well, when I say I want to give you, what he wants to give you right now is to be able to settle in just to be Corey because being Corey is completely enough. And he is going to launch you like you've never seen. Like, and don't limit him. So write that down. Write it down right now. You can see him on camera. I got it. Write down, do not limit me, and then write God. So you could write Corey, do not limit me, and then God. Because he is going to blow it out of the stratosphere. And you're not even going to understand. So not get prepared as far as the business side, all those things. This is good. But... Get prepared in your heart to accept and to receive the blessing that he's going to bring. He is going to bless you like crazy. Like, I mean, unimaginable. So. Well, I appreciate that, Kelly. And I'll tell you what, those, uh, those sleepless nights that I have because I'm so stressed out about what's next for us, you know, those, those will be the words that go through my head to kind of like, those, those, that'll be my meditative mantra. How's that? Yes. Well, I tell you, like the, the stress part of it, um, it is good that you said it because the stress part of it, all that is, is you trying to hold on to something that you shouldn't hold on to. And I'll tell you a story quickly. Yeah. I went skiing for the first time. This was 10, 15 years ago with Molly. Uh, Molly's out there and uh, you're married to uh, Tony Sekikawa. Uh, I introduced the two of them. But before I introduced them, her and her friend took me out on a boat and they took me skiing. But they did not tell me how to ski. So, Corey, you can imagine this. They threw me in the back of the boat. I've only got one ski. You do not slalom ski the first time you try and water ski. But they throw me out of the boat. I got one slalom ski. I'm locked in. But they don't tell me. If you fall, let go of the rope. So I go, I fall face forward, and I hold on to the rope thinking that I'm going to be able to pull myself back up as they're pulling me and dragging me in the lake. The reason why I tell you that, let go of the rope. Go of the rope. Let go of the rope. God doesn't want you carrying anything. And the only reason why stress ever comes into your life, Corey, is because you're carrying stuff you shouldn't be carrying. You're not designed mm. to carry that stuff. Your shoulders weren't made for that. And what God wants you to do today is he wants you to set them down. He wants you to set down all the weight. He wants you to take all the world that you have on your shoulders. He wants you to take it off. And he wants to tell you, hey, son, you ain't going to do nothing with it anyway. Let me have it. And he's going to bless you. Well, that's, Kelly, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, you know, you, that the analogy that you gave kind of reminded me of an analogy um, or certainly a quote and that, that, um, that change isn't the change isn't what's ahead of you and what's new change is letting go of your beliefs and letting go of the old stuff. Change is the old stuff, not the new stuff. You know, and so, so many times we look, we look forward to that. Oh, this is going to be changed. But you know, change is what you give up, not what you gain. I, uh, and, and that's kind of what I felt when you, when you were saying that. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that, that reminder. 
Well, you're awesome, man. And, and I tell you, you guys are going to, you guys are going to blow the doors off of, I mean, being able to be on you guys' show when I was, when you guys had me on, um, it, dude, the, the, the magnetic presence. Have you seen Dude Perfect's uh, uh, documentary yet? No. Okay, you need to watch it. You need to watch today. Okay, send it to me. Okay, you need to take yeah, the time. It's, it on, it's on YouTube. I'm going to send you the link. Me and my son watched it last yep. night. You're going through what these guys already went through. Boom. And when you get to the point, seriously, like when you get to the point of like, like you said, sleepless nights, stress, as far as wonder where it's going to come from, all those things. Like once you release it, once you release it, and I'm not just talking to you, man. I'm speaking this into, into, into life here. Once you release it, God's going to bless. Like immediately, it's not going to be a process. It's not going to be seven steps. It's not going to be like, Corey, if you get all your things in line. What he told me yesterday right. was this. Uh, a, a thing from a guy named David Rudd. So write this down, David Rudd. He asked me one time, he said, you ever uh, see a fisherman? And I said, yes. He said, does the fisherman clean the fish before he catches them? No, sir. He said he catches them, then he cleans them. So you don't need to get ready because he's going to do all the work and he's going to carry it all for you, which I, I just think is going to be amazing. So what is your, <clears throat> what is your advice? Like, you know, we, you've seen this stuff, like, and I see you almost, uh, you have this, this presence about you. And I saw it on the podcast too, when I got a chance to be on with you and you've got this presence now of almost kind of sitting back a little bit. You've been through a lot in the industry. You've been through a lot in your life. And you ever hear the, um, the, uh, story of the, uh, baby bull and, uh, daddy bull. Oh, daddy bull, uh, baby bull, daddy bull walking on top of the hill. Baby bull looks down in the valley and says, yo, daddy, let's run down there and have us one of them cows. And the daddy bull turns to the baby bull really, really calm and says, why don't we walk down, son, and have them all? And I catch that kind of feel from you. So when you're right. speaking to young kids that are just getting in the industry now, you're speaking to people who are just building a brand, just building a podcast. What is that advice that you give to them? Kelly, we lost you at, um, at, at, uh, starting a podcast. So when you have a kid who's starting a podcast, when you have a, can you hear me now? Yep. So, you know, when you have a kid who's starting a podcast, you have a kid who's maybe starting in the industry, maybe they're, you know, going out on their own the first time starting a studio, you know, or they're just in business or building a brand. What advice coming from, you've got wisdom, right? You've got the right use of knowledge. You're sitting back watching these people and you've seen so many things and you've also interviewed and been around some of the, I mean, the most elite people in our whole entire industry. What is your advice to those young kids? I mean, back to, listen, what's, what's been helpful to me once again is, is I'm going to bring it back to reactive, you know, and this goes to every aspect of your life, you know, Let's be less reactive and more thoughtful. Now, the difference is thoughtful takes time. You know, like your bull analogy, you know, um, it, it takes time to walk down. It takes uh, effort to walk down, you know. But, 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 but if you're looking at the big picture, you're looking at, 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 at trying to, to, to gain the most knowledge, um, then I would say, you know, just be thoughtful about, about the decisions that you make. Be thoughtful about, about, um, what you're putting out and putting forth, you know, um, if it, it, 
if if you're not sitting on it, then then chances are it's reactive, you know. And um, so you know, sit on it, and then and then you know, just again, just be thoughtful. Be thoughtful for yourself. Be thoughtful for your family. Be thoughtful for your friends. Be thoughtful for your community. Um, you know, my goal in a salon is to actually in life, but my certainly in, in the salon and the work situations, I never want to be the guy that you can't come and talk to. Wow. I never want to be the guy where, where, oh man, I can't, I, he hurt my feelings, but I can't go tell him because, you know, it's just going to escalate stuff. I don't want to be that guy. You know, my goal in life is to, is to be the guy you can always talk to, even if I've upset you. You know, I know that I live my life with love and through the vision of love. And, and, and if I've upset you or something, there was never any intent to upset you. That's not, that's not how I roll. You know, my goal is to be, not only that now I mean I'm human you know stuff happens sometimes you know um, my perspective is different than your perspective and that can you know that can that can ruffle feathers at times but I want to hear about it you know and and never have to worry never I never want to be the one that 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 lives in defense of of being defensive does it happen sure it happens you know um, in life you fail more than you succeed but as long as you keep your eyes on the success then the failures have less value Wow. So you, you've said something before and I've, I've heard it from you and we were even talking the other day and it was almost like, you know, when we had the first conversation about, you know, you coming on the show and stuff. And when, when we started to talk about, um, you know, what I kind of wanted from this, you know, and for me, it was just being able to spend time with you. It was almost as if our conversation Hello, brother. was that, Ditto, man. I just want to spend time with you too, man. Well, and that's, that's what it was. And, and I felt almost a calming on both of us when, because I was in Vegas, I was at my dad's house when we were having the conversation on the phone and you know, it was almost, it, I could almost feel an exhale when it wasn't going to be about the podcast. It wasn't going to be about anything else. It was just going to be about you as a human being. And yeah. a thing that, that you had said to me, that uh, a message that, that you were like, you know, I really want this to be out there is, is that, um, you know, that you have to be selfish before you're selfless. Um, yep. you know, and you weren't saying that, like we weren't recording it. We, <laughs> it wasn't for like, you're not getting a, a, you know, a promotional hit for that. Um, it was just something on your heart. Why is that so strong on your heart and explain that to us? Um, Listen, I've been in like, I've been in like recovery my whole life, you know, and I think we've all been in recovery, um, our whole lot. And, you know, whether that's like, you know, like you're, you're an adult at 18 and then you spend your rest of your life trying to fix whatever happened between zero and 18. Right. Like, like this is everybody's story. Right. So, you know, um, the rest of our life is recovery from childhood, which is so odd to me, you know, in, in thought, it's so odd to me, but you know, there's times, you know, in your recovery where you have to be selfish. You know, you have to look inward and you have to look like, how can I be better? How can I be better for myself? And then the selfless act on top of that is once I'm better for myself, I then have the availability to be better for you. So, you know, whether that's workmates, whether that's spousal, whether that's a phone call with a good friend in Vegas, you know, that's, that's, for me to be at my best, then I have to be selfish at times to figure out what my best is. When did that epiphany happen 
because I mean, you're dropping bombs, man. I mean, in the la- in, in, in this whole time, you drop bombs and then you're just like, uh, this is just what it is. Like you were talking about fatherhood and you were dropping bombs, but like, where does, where, when did those things happen or what was the, the connection point or did it just, I mean, did you show up one day and it was on your doorstep? Because I think that there's a lot of people who are, you know, in their, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that never get to that point at all, that never get to the point of, you know, what I hear you saying is, you know, number one, you talked about forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness was a big thing. Uh, the, the other thing that you talked about was that, you know, your wife said you're not just dad for a day or for an hour, you're a dad for a lifetime, and you need to think about it that way. Um, you were talking about, you know, caring for other people and not being reactive, right? You're talking about being selfish like making sure that you're good. So then that way you could pour out into others. I, I want to celebrate you because that's not common. Right. Right. Is I, that- listen, I, I don't know. I, I don't listen. My mom died when I was young. How old, you know? how old were you? So I, she, I was 21. She was 45. Oh right. So, you know, up to that point, she was always my role model, right? Like, like you know, when, when again, when my dad and I had our friction, she was the one that always came in and saved me. You know, I, I think that, I think that now I could be glorifying my mom because I, I lost her at such a young age, but, you know, unlike Princess Diana, she'll always be beautiful, right? She's never going to get old, right? She's always going to be beautiful to me. So, you know, um, I think that my mom was very thoughtful. You know, we, we, we had at times thoughtful conversations and, and I have, once again, I'm very, very active in my own recovery, you know, and, and this does not mean drugs. This does not mean alcohol. I mean, that's, that's part of my story too, but you know, the real recovery isn't that the real recovery is, is, is figuring out what and who you are. I mean, you know, these things that I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I don't have any moment where, where, where these thoughts came to me. It's just like, you know, what's right, you know, what's right. And, 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 you know, through all these, through these feelings and thoughts that I have, that that's what's right to me. I mean, when I talk about like corporate competition, that's not a shot on competition on, on, on corporations. And it's kind of a weird kind of feeling to have, but it's a real feeling that I have, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to deny that real feeling because, you know, I'm supposed to hate sports. That doesn't make sense to me either. You know, what makes sense to me is that I can love my brothers and I can love my sisters and, and, and that's what feels right to me. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where, that, that's kind of where I live, man. I, I live in love. You know, I've, people have misinterpreted me and it's come back to me. And, and I'm also very secure with that. You know what? I am very, very sorry that I upset Kelly, but I promise you that, that it was delivered in love and, and, and I can live with that and I don't have to own that. Here's another thing that, that I've learned just, just over the last two years. And that is not the last two years, over the last five years or so. And that's when, like, when, when I make a mistake, when my ego gets ahead of me, when, when I've embarrassed and, and, like, I've embarrassed Tony at times, certainly when we've been on the road and stuff through the podcast. And, and you know, he'll have a conversation with me about it um, or we'll have a conversation about it. And, and I, I accept the embarrassment and the pain that I'm feeling about that. You know, and I sit on that. And I actually, one time I remember Tony and I had a conversation. She goes, are you okay? And I go, yeah, bro. I said, you know, I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting that I hurt you. I'm going to sit in this and I'm going to feel this. I'm not going to go and like change my, go, go, you know, I don't know, go run down the street to try to forget it. I'm going to sit in it because if I sit in it, I'll own it. And if I own it, I'll be responsible for it never to happen again. And, and, and I think, I think at times instead of um, being 
you know, being in a hurry to be comfortable, we need to be in a hurry of, of, of feeling it so we don't repeat it. Hmm. How, how are you able to deal? Because, I mean, this is, this is a, a higher spa- state of consciousness too, but is as normal to you. Um, how are you able to deal when, you know, or do you just add the non-reaction part when people that are around you? Because I had a, a question the other day. I, I, we were talking about, you know, a positive mindset. Now, I don't believe a positive mindset makes you better. I believe that positive mindset, and then you act on that positive mindset, and then that makes things better. Like thinking about me having right. a smaller butt doesn't do anything until I get my butt on the <laughs> treadmill. Does that make sense? But yeah, yeah, right totally. now it's all the positive, like, oh, you got to think positive. And I had this girl ask me, well, what happens right. if I think positive and then I go to work and people are negative? And I said, well, how long have you been thinking positive? And she's like, my whole life. And I said, well, how long? She said, since I was 14. I said, how old are you? She said, 33. And I said, okay, how many books and how many things have you been listening to since you were 14? She was like, oh, sometimes. I said, so tell me the truth then. When did you really start to think positively or start to read positively? She said two or three years ago. I said, well, you have 31 years of programming one way, and then two years, you think that's going to override the other part of it? So she was getting so frustrated. So what I was telling her is when you get frustrated and you're reacting in your old or negative way, it just means that the the things that you think you believe, you don't really believe because your reaction to it. Does that make sense? So when you're dealing in this, I mean, you're some, you, you've dropped some Miyagi stuff today. Like, I mean, you, you realize that you're, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, stop it. You just need, you just need a robe and a lightsaber and, uh, you you know what I mean? Everything would be cool. How do you think I'm older than him? (laughs) How, no, you ain't. How how are you able to deal um, when, you know, like say for instance today, I got blessed this morning. I got a word from Nina Williams. Right. It was amazing. I got blessed with that bike that I was telling you about. I got blessed. Right. Then I come home and AT&T and I almost lost my stuff on hold. I was mm-hmm. on hold. That's the reason why we had to start a little bit late. I was on hold for one hour and 33 minutes. Mm-hmm. How are you able to manage that and stay Corey and stay non-reactive? Um, listen, bro, it's a practice. Man. Like I said, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 years old. I started this practice when I was 34 years old. You know, I'm much better at it now than I ever was. I mean, my role model has been and will always be my best friend, Tony. You know, when, when, when Tony walks into a room, let me, let's back up a little bit. So in my 20s and in my 30s, you know, not what else happens with being reactive is I had to be Mr. Life of the party, right? I had to, I had to be that dude that's, you know, like, hey, bring the party over here, you know. But, but what happens with that is I never got the respect that I wanted. And I don't mean respect as in like, in like some kind of OG kind of way, you know, not that kind of respect. But, but, you know, I wanted people to take me serious even though I was being a goofball, Right. So, you know, I would look at Tony. Tony wouldn't have to do anything. He just enters a room and he demanded respect. Not that he demanded respect in an old G way. He could be very quiet, sitting in the corner, and the respect always came. So, you know, my mentor, my goal was to always be more like him, you know. And, and, and then, you know, with my own, once again, I've been in recovery my whole life. Um, and that's, you know, recovering for myself. Um, and, and, you know, with that practice, I just learned that, you know, being reactive to anything because your pizza's late. 
doesn't give you a positive result. Being on the phone with AT&T and getting annoyed with the person on the other side of the phone who's only doing their job isn't going to help your, your, your situation. You know, to, to me in that situation would be like, bro, listen, I understand, but you need to understand my situation too. You know, this, this is jamming me up here. What can we do? What's the solution? Instead of saying, instead of, you know, um, um, setting up the conversation so you can make a point, set up the conversation so, so you can get results with AT&T or with whoever else. I wish you would have been with me on AT&T, brother. Like I, st- I stay, con- I tried to, I tried to uh, center myself. I need, I need a, we need a Corey app, right? So I'm sure that those of you guys out there listening, you're like, damn, like Corey is straight Obi-Wan. Like he's Yoda. We need you on an app that when we get angry and we're on AT&T, we just need to push that button. You know that that's easy button on Staples. That's That's easy. easy. We need a Corey app that just, I'm, you know, it it could have a a different scenarios. Like, you know, my wife just said this to me, you push it and Corey would just come on. He would sit back real chill like you are now. And you'd be like, don't react. Just hang out. <laughs> Nothing. You you said earlier that you you asked me the question, Corey. Has anything good came out of reacting? And I was mad at you. Like when we started off this podcast, I was mad at you because I was like, "Yes, there has been." And then I thought through my and I've been thinking for this last hour, and I'm like, "No, nothing." But I didn't want to tell him that because I wanted to make sure that I'm allowed to react the way that I want. But you just killed every reaction in my entire life. Because it doesn't, man. I mean, it's not being reactive isn't thoughtful. You know, thoughtful creates results. Reactions create enemies, you know, or creates all reactive does, you know, if you're dealing with somebody is it just puts everybody on defense. Nobody in the world is in their best mind when they're in defensive posture. It's just it goes back to being a caveman. How do we break through that? We got to think differently. How do we break through that? We break through that by being thoughtful. We break through that by being respectful to each other. You know, and that's the only way that you can continue conversation. And if your goal isn't the result, then be as reactive as you want. If you're looking from some, from for some kind of result, you better be thoughtful. Dude, you're Bruce Lee with a beard. I I'm thinking about cutting my beard off. No, Kelly, no what do you think? I like I like your beard, man. I think your beard is gangster, dude. It just doesn't fit. In, it just doesn't fit in a uh, K95 very well. Hey, K. Oh, the, uh, good lord. <laughs> hey. Yeah, right. Hey, yeah. You, you just did you? What are you? Which one are you wearing? Are you wearing like? Uh, are you wearing one of the cloth ones? So, okay, so here, here's a big shout out. I think it's like. I think it's rt-ct.com. Okay. They're like a clothing company out of New York. But they're making the raddest mask, and, and they're making them big, so I can kind of tuck like some of my beard away, so I, you know, so uh, so hair isn't going all crazy, and it looks all gross and stuff. Um, I'm able to tuck that away. I tried the K95 when they first came out, but dude, that was a show. <laughs> you know, that was like that was a bad, bad show. There was there was there was face everywhere. Is that a K95 or is it an N95? I think N95. Yeah, you're right. You could call what it K though. Of? You're Obi Wan Kenobi. Like you could call it whatever. Ah, whatever. Dude, stop being silly. I, hey, you know what? I, here, here's a challenge for you. What's Kelly. that? And, and this, is, this, this is what helped me. So okay. uh, one of the many things that have helped me is that, that I, I think it's important in life that, that we get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Because then if you can get comfortable with being uncomfortable, then uncomfortable doesn't mean reaction, right? Uncomfortable means, okay, I can get through this, right? Because a lot of times when you make me feel uncomfortable, now I've got to lash out at you and I've got to say, you've made me feel this way. 
Now you're going to pay for it, right? How many times have we been in that mindset, yeah, right? you're damn right. So, 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 so what I did, or, or what I, and I only did it for a couple months, um, was I started to use the Wim Hof method. You know the Wim Hof method? Wim Hof? So Wim, Wim Hof, if you don't know it, you know it. W-I-M-H-O-F-F, Wim Hof is a guy who's from the Netherlands. And um, he's like the most miraculous guy ever. Like he, he climbed like Mount Everest in nothing but a pair of shoes and shorts. Like he was like completely naked. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and he claims that he can teach you to do this. However, here, here's what I did is that um, he has a method of retention. So it's air retention, right? It's holding your breath, right? And, and, and um, by the end of the first week, I had my, holders, I had my longest retention, was, which was four minutes and 20 seconds. So I held my breath for four minutes and 20 seconds. Now, don't get all wide-eyed on me. There's definitely a technique to it, and there's an understanding of the technique, and you can do it too. You'll have the ability to do it. But the only way that you can achieve, you know, minutes of holding your breath is to go so deep in your mind that you forget that you're breathing, right? Does that make sense? So it's very, 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 very meditative. And the moment that the outside world enters your brain, you're going to gasp for air because the outside world tells you you need air even when your body says you don't. Got that? So, um, so basically what that taught me was to be comfortable in an uncomfortable state, right? Can't breathe. This is uncomfortable, but I'm not going to die. You know, here's the, here's the worst part during your retention is if you lose oxygen and pass out, what's the first thing your body's going to do? Gas for air, right? Like there's no, there's, there's no lose in this situation. You're not going to die. Might get uncomfortable, but you can handle uncomfortable. And the second thing that, that they do in the Wim Hof method is they take a, a cold water exposure. Right. So for, for about, I don't know, actually probably about, I did the cold water for a little bit longer, um, for about three or four months, but then, you know, take very, 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 very cold showers. Does it suck? Yeah. You better believe it sucks. But you know what it does? Ain't going to kill you. And what does it do? It makes you a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and, and that to me was honestly game changing for me because now those same, those same endorphins or those same things fire in your body when, um, you know, when someone, when you're disagreeing with somebody or somebody's disagreeing with you. And now I've taught myself, um, that I can kind of think my way through like, okay, well I'm uncomfortable and I'm okay with being uncomfortable. You know, that, that was something that happened over the last few years. You know, once I start to feel uncomfortable, Oh, okay. I've been here. This is familiar. And not only is this familiar, but I've been able to control by reaction to it, wow. as opposed to lashing out, grabbing breath, you know, turning the water up, you know, just get the, breathe it out, breathe it through. Hey, I told you. So that's my challenge to you. Wim Hof, bro. Wim Hof, Wim man. Hof. Yeah, and now I got to hold my breath for four and a half. I thought I was going to get off here and you're going to be like, do this practice with your brand, uh, work on your podcast this way. You're telling me I don't have to breathe. I, I can't breathe for four and a half minutes and I got to take cold showers? Yeah, dude. It'll change you. Dude, that's some Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's why you need the app, dude. <laughs> that's why you need the app. You need the app. And just, <laughs> just press the thing, and it would just be you, like cold water flowing over the top of your head, you know, your head back, swinging your hair a little bit, and just be like, yo, just yeah. don't react. Don't react. Bro, okay, tell don't me, react. tell me though, Corey, because what has got you to react in the last couple months? Because, I mean, obviously, like you're, you're, you're Phil Jackson, um, you know, you 
you know, you got that Zen feel raking uh, sand all the time in between clients. I know. Um, I'm joking with you. Not exactly. And then, and then yeah. but what has been that thing that's got you hype? Like that you were like, oh, I'm going to put that to the side real quick while I'm going to go after this. Mm-hmm. Has, has it happened? Well, I mean, I don't. Well, I mean, just while you're saying that, what, what, what bounced into my mind is that, um, you know, I had never been off of work for nine weeks before, right? Like, like not doing hair for nine weeks. And, and I had a tremendous amount of anxiety going back to work. Really? You know, and, 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 and yeah, I did a lot, you know, like, like I compare it to like, you know, like when you're in middle school or something, the last day of summer and you had to start school the next day, you know, but, but the thing was that I wasn't really that excited to see my old friends because there was so much more around that. Like one, can I still do this? You know, two, um, I don't necessarily know if I want to expose myself to any kind of, you know, bad stuff or, or any of that. Um, and then, you know, was I even ready? Now, I do know that I would, at that point, I would have never been ready to come back to work unless I forced myself back to work, you know. So um, just kind of getting back to work, I, I definitely had um, a, a lot of anxiety about it. Luckily, um, about two days before I started back to work, I went back and I like restocked my shelves and I put all my color away and stuff like that. And just being in the building, I was kind of like, all right, brother, you're in it now, man. You know, and I felt really, really good about coming back. And since I've been back, it's been, um, it's been great. You know, now I am happy to see my clients. Now I am happy to see my, my colleagues and stuff, but there was definitely a lot of anxiety there. And, and, you know, even, you know, as much as like, I try not to be reactive and stuff, you know, I still live in, in, in anxiety. I, I still live with anxiety at times, you know, just like everybody does, you know, and, and, and it sometimes it takes real effort and real thought to be like, you know, to then to use my own practice, you know, and once again, I, with, 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 with all this that I'm talking about, I fail at it way more than I'm successful at it, you know, but my goal is to be successful with it, not to fail at it. So I never focus on, oh, I failed on that. I, I just focus on, well, okay, tomorrow I'll be better. You know, tomorrow I'll, I'll react to that. And, and, you know, after 16 years, like I'm, I'm, I'm much, much better now at, at, at having those self conversations than I was, you know. By the way, everything's my fault in my life too. You know, everything, every, no matter what happens, what situation happens in my life, it's always my fault. And, and, and what that means is, you know, I chose to react however I reacted to it or I chose to feel this way about it. And how can I do better? Or what could have I done? And that's no matter what the situation is, like with your AT&T call, no matter what that situation is, what could have I done to make that um, a better conversation? Or what could have I done? To, what could have I done differently to have a different outcome? You know, that, those are the questions that are always in, in my, in my, in my basis. Well, I think the thing that helped me out is my wife is super hot. So she was sitting across from me. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Like this That's why is, she texts me all the time, Kelly. I'm telling you, man. Hey, if she's texting you, man, you're a, a lucky dude. Uh, she is, I mean, I she's, lucky. and you've met her, you've met her, you know, my wife is smoking hot yeah, yeah. and I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. and she's really, really talented and she's really, really thoughtful and all those things like blah, 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 blah. I mean, literally I could go on for on and on and on about my wife. Now, one of the guys, Ken Blanchard, he's a, uh, you know, the guy, Ken Blanchard, he's an author. Okay. Write him down. Six over 65 bestsellers, New York times bestsellers that he's written. This dude is phenomenal. I was raised on his material and then I got a chance to be able to interview him. And I asked him cause he's been married for, I don't know, like 500 years. Um, this is a joke. Maybe, maybe he's been married 40 or 35 or 40 or 50 or whatever. It right. Is. Whatever. Whatever. It's success. But it's a long time. And I said, how do you, how, what's the secret to staying married? He said, marry up. 
And I was like, what? And he said, marry up because you'll always wake up grateful. You'll look over at your wife and you'll be grateful. This morning, the way yeah. I got through AT&T was not through the Phil Jackson, Corey Gray, um, you know, app that I need to have. It was looking across. And seriously, I was looking across. My wife was wearing um, leopard print uh, this morning. And I looked across and I was like, damn, my wife is hot. Man, she is smoking damn, hot. Up. And then I married up and I'm on the phone and this lady's like, ah, da, da, da. I, I got you on hold and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, AT&T. And then I'm like, but my wife is super hot. So that helped a ton during the time. I need your help in this. Okay. We were having a conversation in the salon. Like you do, you have these conversations. There's a girl named Tatiana right. that's with me. And yeah, yeah. okay. So Tatiana is, uh, is, is working with me. She's one of the top stylists in, in Vegas with us. And, but she happens to be like her and I work together when I go in every six weeks, we were talking about being a father, right? I got a daughter like you have. Okay. They said, Oh, you know, how are you going to be when she brings a boy home? And I was like, I ain't going to be that good. Yep. Um, you know, I want to support her. And she's like, well, you, do you think that you'll really love him? And I said, no, I'll just dislike him less. And, <laughs> and Tatiana was like, no, my parents love my boyfriend. And I was like, no, 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 they love you. Help, help me with this. Do you feel the same way as far as like, I mean, I think that my, my in-laws, obviously, I think that they love me. But right. I think that they love their daughter, didn't want to lose their daughter. I, like for me, I'm not at that point. To be able to say, like, yo, what is your daughter? my daughter is 11, so she ain't trying to think about nothing right, right. now. Right. But I'm saying right. that even my brother-in-law, he's in the room right now, too. And he's like, Kelly, what are you talking about? Because my lady's parents love me. And I'm like, no, they just don't like you that much. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, they don't, the dislike well, is less. I mean, I think that, listen, listen, I think that there's a, <laughs> I think there's a point, right? Like, like, you've got a point. Like, yeah, you know, they, they love you because of your connection. But if you truly love your daughter in, in the truest way, then you have to understand that they deserve love too, right? And, 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 and they deserve love from, from other people like you do, like Brooklyn deserves love, like your brother-in-law deserves love. We all deserve love. And, 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 and there's some love that daddy can't fulfill, right? So there's some love, there's some love there that, um, that you have to let go of so, so, so they can, uh, they can have a, a healthy relationship as well. Okay. But so did, daddy, old, did old school Corey think that way? Like when you were like, I'm, I'm talking screaming Eagle Corey, you know what I'm saying? Like wearing your letterman's nope. jacket and no, your no, trans no, 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 definitely not. Okay. No, no, definitely not. No, no, definitely not. And then once again, you know, this is my, this is great coaching by my wife, you know, because, <laughs> you know, as a dude, we have certain thoughts and certain expectations and certain whatever. And then, you know, we need, we need, we, we need our wives to be like, you know, she deserves love, man. You know, she deserves this, you know, even, even, even young, you know, even, even at, at 14 or 15 or 16 years old, you know, we, uh, she, she deserves, uh, she, she deserves, she, she, de she deserves a normal childhood, no matter if daddy's in the way or not, you know, and, and the only way she's going to have a, a normal adulthood is to, is to experience as much of a normal childhood as they possibly can. Man, I thought you were going to give me some advice that would uh, drive home the fact that I can keep thinking the way that I was thinking. First, you of all, can be a, that you can be an asshole. No, I'm not going to support your uh, your idea of being an asshole. <laughs> so, 
Um, two things, man. Uh, I always, I ask this, I ask this question of every single person. The whole reason why I started this podcast is for my two kids, for McKenna and Maddox. And I joke around about not loving, uh, the, the, the boy that's in her life and things like that. But my, my mom taught me from a very early age that she was praying for my wife. She told me this when I was seven, eight years old. And I remember thinking that my mom was crazy. Like I ain't trying why are you trying to pray for my wife right now? I'm like seven or eight. But what she was saying is, I'm praying for the person who is prepared for you, and 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 that those those prayers were answered when I met Brooklyn. I did this podcast, and I continue to do it because I wanted to humanize iconic people like yourself. I wanted to help my kids to see that people who do things like what you're doing, Corey, with your day off, with your your career, and the way that you're amplifying people, that. You weren't born that way. You have a great attitude and you happen to be doing what you're passionate about, but you're a human being. And this is what I wanted my kids to understand. We just had their, I just had my uh, daughter's favorite pop star on uh, two days ago. And uh, if you're a fan of Snoop, um, you remember Corrupt from the Dog Pound. His son was just on the podcast too. And oh, word. so when they were on, my kids hang with these kids now. And I'm like, I want you to realize that these are just people. What message would you and advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna? If you could look into the camera and you could say Maddox and McKenna, what advice can you give to them? Maddox is eight and he's a gangster and McKenna Mm -hmm. is 11 years old and she is the most creative girl on the planet. Maddox is a Fortnite snacker and uh, McKenna is literally like she could cook anything. She could draw anything. She could paint anything. She's the most creative and she has the most love in her heart. What advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna? If you could say their names too, it it means a lot to them. Well, I'm blown away that that your kids are Eminem. So that's pretty dope to me. (laughs) So so Maddox and McKenna, I mean, like I I think probably, you know, the title of this entire podcast is just thoughtful. You know, be thoughtful, be be active in being thoughtful and and understand that that everybody has a story to tell and everybody has a story. well, not to tell, but everybody has a story to live, and and, and just to be thoughtful, and to uh, and to understand that, that that you know everybody's got a life, or, or a pad of life, like the chicken soup, right? Yes, sir. Now, when they hear this, chicken soup might not be around, but you know everybody's got a life, and, and try to be empathetic and understanding to that life. Wow. So I got a couple questions before you're off the hot seat. Uh, these come right from Brooklyn. Oh, I don't feel like I'm in the hot seat. I feel like I'm putting you on the hot seat. Hey, hey. I love this, man. I mean, literally, like I, I and I'm going to ask this before we're done. Anyway, I'm asking for part yep. two. I'm asking there for part sure. two before even number one comes. So will you do part two with me? Yeah, but but Brooklyn's going to be in on this one. It's going to be the three of us. We'll just we'll, we'll cut it up the three of us. OK, that sounds good. She's in. She's in for part two. Right. This is this is her questions, though. She, uh, she didn't ask me to ask you these, but she asked me these and it really, really made me stop. I was in Chicago this last time and I was like a day after the riots, right? Day after the riots, I roll into, uh, to Chicago. I'm driving to my hotel a block and a half away. We stop because a guy runs across the street. He jumps into a car on this side. So our car is going this way. The other car is going this way. We stop. Because this guy goes, there's a guy on this side that's yelling and screaming. This guy just jumped in his car on the other side. This guy's yelling at that car. We're watching this whole thing happen. This dude runs across the street, and I notice that he has a monkey wrench the size of my leg in his hand. He takes the monkey wrench, 
and bow hits the back uh, uh, back windshield of the of the car. As he does this, this was the most epic fail in the world, Corey, and I wish I would have recorded it. I don't think that he realized how heavy the monkey wrench was. He didn't do this calculation because as he ran across, he must have had not a good grip. He hit it, which the number one fail was he didn't break the window. How could you not break a window with a monkey wrench the size of my leg? Okay, so number one, he didn't do that, and it bounced off. As it bounced off, he lost grip of it. As he lost grip of it, he lost his balance and went face first on the pavement. So, so he didn't break the window. He dropped the monkey wrench and went face first. I wish I would have recorded it because it would have been it's the most epic fail ever. So this is my this is literally this is a, a a block and a half from my from my hotel. Well, this is. Uh, from my hotel is only a block to our salon. So all this stuff is happening in the salon, right? Or in the, in the area there in Chicago. And I get a chance to walk right. the city while I'm walking the city. I'm walking from my hotel, which is in Wicker park. And those of you guys listen from Chicago, you know how far this is. It's not that far, but it's, it's one of those things from Wicker park. I decided that I wanted to walk downtown. So as I'm walking downtown, my wife's uh, you know, calls me and she asked me these questions and literally, it changed my whole entire day. So you're going to have to sit in them. Okay? You ready for them? Let's do it. It's four questions. Yeah, let's go. Got it? Yeah. Corey, who do you want to be? Um, honestly, a better version of myself. I want to be a better version of me. Like, like I, I, I strive to be better um, every day. And, and I want to be, and I know this is the most arrogant friggin' like uh, <laughs> answer ever, but I, I just, I mean, it's, it's what I have control of and it's not fantasy land. You know, what do you have control of? I have control of me, you know? So what I want to be, I want to be a better me today than I was yesterday. Okay. And, and I would have calculated the monkey wrench a lot better. <laughs> what are you willing to do? Uh, continue my, uh, continue my practice. You know, continue continue my, uh, my recovery and, 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 and to, again, um, it's a, it, to be okay with being selfish when, when, when I'm searching for my own truth. What are you willing to release? There's the hiccup. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer to that because I don't, I don't, it's, it's what I struggle with. Right. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, am I not willing to give up something physical? Am I not willing to give up something emotional? Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's, that's probably the hiccup in my life is like, is not having the vision or the understanding of, of what I'm willing to give up because, you know, I want it all. I'm selfish in that sense. You know, I want, I want, I want the love. You know, I want the, I want the validation. What are you willing to receive? Um, yeah, I mean, once again, I mean, I, I, as much of a game that I talk is like, you know, I'm, I, I seek validation. I seek validation from, from Kelly. I seek validation from our industry. I seek validation from, from, my, uh, from my spouse. I seek validation from, from my boy, Tony. I seek validation for all the, that, that I have, um, that, I, that I'm able to, to, to have uh, – conversations with or communication with or just have a life with. Um, you know, I, uh, I, uh, 
I, I, I need that validation. It's, it's whatever, whatever my love language is, that's part of it, right? That's part of it. So, uh, you know, that. Well, I tell you, Corey, you are, uh, I, 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 in addition to every single listener and every person watching this, you don't need validation from anybody. I mean, you may need it personally. That's what you were saying, a love language. But I tell you, like, who you 